Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind. In this episode, I'm talking to Renee Manfrey. He has more than 30 years of sales and management experience and various injury, mm, injuries. Huh? <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind where I'm interviewing Renee Manfrey. He has more than 30 years of sales and management experience in various industries such as business brokerage, credit repair services, insurance slash finance, real estate, marketing, and advertising. Especially, <clears throat> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind. In this episode, I am talking to Renee Manfrey. He has more than 30 years of sales and management experience in various industries, such as business brokerage, credit repair services, insurance slash finance, real estate marketing, and advertising. He's a business coach as well as a sales trainer and motivational speaker. His advantage above all is that he embraces challenging times and uses that opportunity to learn new ways in doing business. Uh, his specialties include developing distribution systems, marketing, team building, leadership training, consulting on business development, public relations, and life skills, along with credit restoration and business brokering matching buyers and sellers. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind where I'm interviewing Renee Manfrey. He's a business coach with more than 30 years of sales and management experience in various industries such as business brokerage, credit repair services, industry. <sighs> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind where I'm interviewing Renee Manfrey. He has more than 30 years of sales and management experience. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind where I'm interviewing Renee Manfrey. He's a business coach with more than 30 years of sales and management experience in various industries such as business brokerage, credit repair services, insurance slash finance, real estate, marketing, and advertising. He's also a sales trainer and motivational speaker. What makes him have the advantage is the fact that he embraces challenging times and uses that opportunity to learn new ways in doing business. Uh, this is an awesome episode. Uh, first time I believe that we are talking to a business coach that will break down the different ways to be able to succeed in each niche. So uh, use this opportunity to take notes and see what you can do to better your business pathway. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening.
Hey, good evening, Renee. Really appreciate your time uh, this evening. This is a pretty good um, episode that I think will break down a lot of different uh, business categories. And so if you could please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. No, I appreciate it, Anthony. Um, you know, my name is Renee Manfrey. I'm based here in New Orleans, Louisiana. And, you know, over the course of the years, you know, I've, I've been in multiple different businesses, um, um, sales management careers. And just over the course of the last few years, I basically, you know, taught and coached individuals in different areas of, you know, sales management and business areas um, through the years. And this past, um, through this COVID, I kind of started another um, coaching company, which is What's Your Passion? And then recently just created um, um, a digital marketing um, agency that's basically designed to really help individuals in this online marketing stratosphere, podcast and video and things of that nature. So I'm excited about you know, meeting, meeting with you and, and, and have an opportunity to kind of learn about you and what you do and excited about. No, yeah. And as we have this discussion, um, you know, I'll flesh out, you know, some of what I do and obviously how it pertains to either me, how you, people like me can be helped by people like you. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about the first thing I want to discuss is uh, ownership and management expertise. And so we talked a little bit about how just because you may have a different particular type of uh, passive income or stream of income does not mean you're working in it. Uh, so can you explain uh, what is, you know, what is that? What is ownership and management uh, expertise? Well, you know, I, I can go back through when I first kind of started and I started at a young age um, in, in sales and in management because my, my older brother, um, we, had, we had health clubs. So, you know, at age eight, pretty much, I was in the health clubs and I was always kind of, you know, helping people around the gym, picking up weights or talking to them or, you know, giving them some advice, things of that nature. And then through the years of that industry, that taught me that skill, I guess you can say, of really communication and working with people. Um, Because you had people that either wanted to lose weight, gain weight, get muscle, lose muscle, things of that nature. And and through that little part of my young years, I really saw a transformation. And it's exciting when you see a transformation of someone going from no self-esteem to high self-esteem within a very short period of time, about three months, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember those as very vividly as a kid that my brother was very, you know, he was a, he was a business owner and um, having that opportunity to be around my brother at the time being young, my father was a worker for oil refineries. Um, both were good. You know, my, 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 I guess my mentors in my life were really just hard work and communication and building relationships. So that kind of transferred me through the years Um I started my insurance career right around 27. Okay. And that's where I really got a taste of total control of my income. That if you sell X amount of policies, things of that nature, um, that that built my 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 confidence saying, man, wow, I can control my income. Then that excelled into creating a team where I managed, then getting to the point to where I leveraged my time. Does that make sense? Yes. So I don't know if that helps you kind of understand. So it's everything I've ever done is I've started off in sales. And when you learn that skill of selling something, a product or service or real estate, whatever it may be, those are all the things that I start. And when I learn it, then I get into the management area of 
of showing or having people with me to help me manage that process, then scaling it to the point where I can not be in it as much as I used to be. And so at what point do you know you need to, you need to outsource or you need to be the manager and no longer work in it? When pretty much everything that I, 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 I do, I start with the visual, you have to visualize what you want, right? My, my processes are, and I tell people this and, and sometimes, but I don't think they really kind of get it that I'm lazy by nature. Okay. That, that I want, I want to have my time to where I want to do what I want, when I want and how I want. So I know I have to, I have to do something quickly to get it off the ground. And it might take me three months, six months or a year, but if I can do that and perfect it to where I can get that sales process and that income flow coming through, then I'm already visualizing what I need next in the very beginning, whether it's, you know, enlisting people to, to help out um, or to be the individuals to, to help out with, whether it's additional sales or um, paperwork or marketing or whatever it may be. So I'm always enlisting and building that process because I can't do everything, you know, on a daily basis. Right. So I, I'll do certain things and I, I'm, I've become pretty aware of certain things that I, I that, that I need, but at the same time, I'm always in my mind thinking of the end result. Do I want to continue doing this process over and over and over and over? Or do I want to get to the point to where I have other people doing it or systems in place to where I don't have to do it as much and it keeps on flowing? So where did you, where did you get that concept from? Was it d- during your insurance uh, career? Was it when somebody mentored you? Yes. Um, I joined, uh, I started out my insurance career with, I've been with some good companies through the years. Blue Cross and Blue Shields is where I learned my basic skills of really corporate America and and working with some really good high income producers. Um, And so at 27, 28 is pretty much where where I first started hitting that six figure or a little bit over six figure income, right? But those individuals that I was surrounded by, they were, they were, you know, in the business for years and they're already making half a million a year plus. Um, and then I rolled into um, Primerica Financial Services. I don't know if you're familiar with Primerica. I'm, I've heard of Primerica before, yes. Um, Primerica was a very good leadership company. Um, their structure of basically mentoring and you, you have the opportunity to really be a mentor by these powerful um, mentors who've been in the business for, you know, 20, 30 years. And there, there as coaches, I mean, you had, I had one here, Bill Whittle, which was one of my, my, my mentors and my, my coach to where we would have phone calls on a daily basis. And you know, he was, he's making, you know, three, two, two, 300,000 a month. You know, you can't find that kind of leadership, you know what I'm saying? And you can't pay for that. So that value of him being in my ear or between me and a, a group of friends of mine that he really kind of taught us to all different areas of leadership, teamwork, relationship building, the proper way of kind of communicating. So all of these things I feel I could never learn from any school or any mentor on a street. So I got to say that opportunity gave me the ability to really be exposed to really high level leaders and understanding their daily task and their daily planning and what you need to do to succeed. 
And so uh, that kind of segues us into time management, right? And so uh, with time management, how do you uh, govern or try to you know, facilitate or encourage time management to your teams, to yourself, and to the people that you uh, mentor slash coach? I talk about management and time management to, to pretty much everyone from my, my, my friends, to my family, to my, to my people who I coach and train and work with. Because your time is, you have to be, you have to have a day planner. And you gotta, you gotta really have that day planner to where you're looking at your time on a daily basis and prioritizing the tasks that have to get done, but at the same time, focusing on tasks that equal results. And if you're not if you're not really paying attention to it, the whole day can get by. You're answering emails, you're playing on social media. You're fo- if you're not really paying attention and prioritizing from a plan, the challenge is the days go by too quick, and you can end up at the end of the week and nothing really happened. Yeah, because you never paid attention to that daily planner and that daily planner becomes your life to where before I schedule a date or before I schedule anything with anyone, I look at my daily planner and it's just, it's just, it's, it's been over 20 years now that I've had a daily planner and I don't know how to live without it because it really kind of keeps me in focus and in check that am I getting, am I doing things on a daily basis or meeting with people or doing things that are progressing me forward whereas they get lost they don't know what they're making they don't know what they're doing they don't know what they did yesterday and that's where they're never going to grow and that's why they keep on going around and around in circles Uh, so when it comes to your daily planner are you even including personal things like you know this is my time to uh, work out this is my time to read yes yeah you have to, you have to prioritize everything. And, you know, I know right now in my life, my workout is not as, cause I have to, now I got to wake up a little bit more earlier because I've been doing different things lately. So my, my workout's been off a little bit. And so I'm getting, I'm getting back on my plan on that one. But when it comes down to you know, my strategy calls or conference calls and things of that nature or anything, you know, before I leave my house in the morning, I try to get a lot of things done before 10 or 11 o'clock. So I do majority of my stuff pretty much from my house now. Um, COVID kind of kicked me into that little mode and it's kind of been good for me because I get a lot of Zoom calls and things of that nature done out the way. Then I'll get on a road and I'll go do 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 whatever, um, banking, post office, appointments, things of that nature. And then I'll have certain times in a day where I schedule, whether it's my podcast or videos or conference calls again. And then the evening times are kind of like this, sometimes wind up to where I don't have anything to do. Either I can go work out, spend time with the family, or um, do a little networking and socializing events. Exactly. And so uh, as you progress through your career, um, do you find yourself, let's just say the first business that you started 20 years ago, do you find yourself throughout the years less and less involved in that business because it has grown so much or you are equally as involved uh, when you kind of broke off and, and was just managing it from afar? Um, I'm still, I'm still involved in, in conversations, um, in overseeing and 
and I'm still involved in everything on a daily basis. They're just watching where we are. So right now it's more of the, you know, my insurance agency, you know, I'm basically just, you know, I have conversations with my agents. We, we either text, call <clears throat> throughout the day, figure out, we you know, what's going on, how we're doing with production, what we have to do to kind of increase avenues. Um, the lawn care business, that's more of, you know, my guys kind of, they're in the field. They know what they have to do. Majority of everything's tracked through apps and things of that nature. Mm, okay. um, so I have different teams that, that they have their, they know what to do. Now, do I still have problems on a daily basis? Um, whether it's personalities or um, machines break down or, or they have to buy stuff, things of that nature. But majority of that business I do over the phone or by text. Um, so wherever I'm at, I might drive around, I might see certain properties, things of that nature. Um, I might talk to a business owner because most of our business is commercial. It's not yeah. just residential. Um, the, 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 the marketing agencies, you know, I just started this up in the last two couple of months. So this is kind of taking a little bit more of my time right now. Okay. But it's more of the reason why is that this will help catapult everything else once I put the pieces and people in place and the systems in place and get better on everything that we're doing. And so is your belief slash process is that once you get the teams in place, that is what helps support the growth of increasing profits? Correct. It's all, it's all about team, whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to do, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes, it takes a team to really kind of move you, move you to the level where you want to scale. Now, not saying you need a large team. I'm not saying it needs a large team. I'm talking one, two, three people. Whereas I don't, you know, I don't need 20 people doing nothing. Right. Yeah. So I can pretty much scale with really two to three people on most of my things. Um, Now it takes that networking and building relationships, subbing out to where um, I have different people who we will, will, they're not employees of mine, but they're independent contractors. Um, so where we'll sub out work, whether it's the, whether it's through our agency um, or even my lawn care business, those are two businesses pretty much I can sub out work to and still make a good little rate of return on that. Awesome. And so uh, what is another, uh, what are some other strategies that you use uh, in order to scale a business? So we talked about one, which is, you know, man, you know, creating teams, but uh, what are some other strategies that you use? On scaling the business, um, the main, I think the main areas of scaling, and and it depends on any business, is really kind of having your procedures and processes down to where you know your numbers. Um, And I'm I'm taking like, because you've been doing real estate for quite a while at this point, correct? Mm -hmm. And so you know that for you to kind of scale up, you need to make sure that you have really good, a good team. Um, that that understands the time frame and the numbers um, for you to move faster, right? So before I do a before I do a property anymore, now it's really we're sitting down with my team to say, okay, this is the this is the first steps we're going through renovation. That's going to be three days a week. This is how much the cost. If it goes over that cost, then somebody's getting hit with that, and it's not going to be me. Um, 
when it comes down to whether it's framing or whether it's coming to come, you know, with electrical plumbing, these are all the different steps. And sometimes you have to really get your team to understand the plan, because if not, they'll take your own sweet time and they'll cost you money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so majority of workers out there, they don't, they're not on the same level as you are. And I are, I am. And so we have to kind of tell them, this is the schedule. This is the time frame. This is what I'm expect. This, these are the expectations. Now, granted, you know, you're going to have weather. You're going to have, you know, different issues, a different challenge, different things come up. Granted, we understand that, but you calculate those that in there um, in your time frame to where you can get finished. So that's with real estate things. And the same thing that kind of goes with my lawn care business that, Whenever we do certain jobs, we know time. Everything is time. They know how much time it's going to take to cut the grass and get on a get on a location, get off. They know we know how much time it should take for to do any kind of cleanup work and things of that nature. Um, so that's all built in the time. So those those areas we can control projects. I guess you can say like that. Um, when it comes down to um, insurance business or any other kind of business, it's really kind of figuring out how to get your people in place and make sure that if you're hiring the, the right people, and that's where you got to get better on your hiring process, um, that mm. you're hiring talent, you're hiring people who are, that you're not sitting here. I don't want to teach anybody how to do email marketing, social media, marketing strategies, et cetera. Right. I want to hire somebody who's going to do that and teach me. So it's really getting to the point where you can get your, your, your teams around you that you're hiring people that are better than you in those areas and that's going to be an asset to your team not a liability now i was just about to ask you you know how do you I, I've, I've been told that the hiring process is a, is a skill hiring and creating a team is a skill you do not want to just you know get somebody on your team because they have x y uh certification uh there's right. there's maybe certain uh particular characteristics or uh maybe their past work that you've seen that is like, okay, this individual, they're going to be good. Uh, Cause I'm, I get nervous about the hiring process because I don't want to make the wrong choice. And then I'm stuck with that person throughout that probationary period uh, possibly. And, and so uh, do you hire or do you have somebody that you have as uh, is, you know, contract out or on, you know, payroll to I do mean, I, I pretty much hire, but I, 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 I have, um, I have different individuals that will bring people in and I'll give them the opportunity, whether it's, you know, with the lawn care business is a very difficult business. Um, you know, to find really good labor for that is, is, is challenging. Um, but we're getting better on the processes of really setting the standards up front and, and expectations um, and talking about who we are, our vision, um, leadership, teamwork, accountability, Relating, you know, building relationships, um, and you, sometimes you have to really kind of you have to set it up front. It's kind of like dating, you know. You got to really set the expectations up front of really, hey, listen, this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for, because you and you know you can get into a relationship with somebody and realize their values and core and everything else is totally not the same as yours, right? Yeah, and. And I think that the same thing goes with business. You know, I try to really kind of get to know who this person is, what is their why, what is their their values, what is it, 
that they've done in the past that 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 can that can show me that hey you're going to be a good asset to our team um we're just not hiring a person just sit in a chair and you know sing kumbaya <laughs> and if, if their person comes in and they're I've, I've gotten hard through the years and i'm getting harder and harder i have a heart don't get don't get me wrong i have a heart that i I believe in certain people, but at the same time, when it gets to a point to where they're not excelling or they're not changing, they got to go. So you got to hire, you got to hire slow and fire fast. Okay. I like that. That makes makes sense. No, it does. uh, uh, Because I know sometimes people naturally, you may be in a rush to hire somebody very quickly because you need this spot filled or, you know, it stops production, but you're right. If I hire quick, you know, hastily, then it could bite me in the butt. I could actually probably end up losing money because of this individual. Yeah, you, you really, you got to, you know, it's, it's, it, and, and, you know, I, I'm dealing with a lot of stuff these days, you know, between even family people and just in general. And, and it's like, I'm constantly talking about these things of, you know, distractions, uh, the, 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 the daily planner, leadership, accountability, um, you know, if you have a person that's in a truck or in your vehicle, uh, or if you have a person that's in management, and if you're not, if you're you're the leader, and if you're the one who's causing the, the the drama, whether it's conversations or not, then all of a sudden it's going to affect everybody behind you or around you. So it's it's a constant conversation you got to have if you're building a team and you want to scale that team. You got to constantly be sharing your vision. Your values, expectations, all of these different parts um, are really what it's going to take for our company to grow, and um, and what you're expecting out of certain people, to where they don't go lazy and they don't get into bad habits. When it comes to uh, your your real estate business, uh, do you find yourself? Uh, and I, I'm asking this question based off of you know where you um, the demographic or the area where you invest. Do you find yourself sometimes having to talk to a, a contractor like, hey, I'm paying you this type of money. This is my standard. I do not want you to assume that the standard should be this low because of the area where you are renovating or to assume that the standard should be extraordinary high because of this particular area uh, that you may be renovating in. Have you run across something like that before? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you I mean you got to you you know you you have your you have your different properties in different areas, and you kind of have to know, you know, and it helps you contract to understand. Listen, this is what we're looking at for this area, so I'm not going to put in to certain properties top notch things if I'm not going to get the rate of return back on it, because then you're 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 it's just not it's not going to be worth it. So I've dealt with um, higher end properties to where you, you, you put really more attention into molding, granite countertops, um, better cabinets, um, the, the bathrooms and the kitchens, as you know, are the, the main focus points um, mm-hmm. that you have to spend a little bit more money in those areas. Um, you know, landscaping and things of that nature is always a factor in, in some of the higher end areas. Some of the lower end areas that that you know that you're not gonna you, you want to make it all nice and and just livable and to where it's it's you know take pride you know I like to make sure that any property I do get um, that I make sure that it's I'm, I feel comfortable with people living in it. 
Uh, what so is contractors understand Sorry that. that? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I, I meant to ask, uh, what is what is your portfolio consist of as far as your uh, real estate? Um, I've downsized through the years to where now I just have um, a few singles, um, two, two commercial, um, and um, three, three, three sixplexes. Okay. And so, so it's, I, it's, it's been, it's been diverse. Um, I've, I've let go yeah. a lot of properties through the last few years and I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to go more into commercial, bigger commercial stuff. So I'm getting rid of things that are um, a little bit more of uh, really not giving me the rate of return that I want. And if I'm not making, you know, at least at least somewhere between 500 to a th- well, really a thousand a month on plus after everything's said and done, it's really not worth the time anymore. Understandable. Yeah. And uh, I asked that question because I, out of the singles, the, the, the multifamilies and then the commercial, uh, w- what made you want to go to commercial to get the rate of return that you wanted? Uh, was it, what was it about single and, and then smaller multifamilies that wasn't cutting it for you? Well, I mean, when I first started singles, the problem with singles are, is that you're once you, you have to get in there and you get rid of a tenant, you're going to be down within minimum 15 to 30 days. So you're going to have a month of renovation, um, cleaning up or some sort and getting somebody in there sometimes, not all the time, sometimes. But it's just that one that one income. Um, I, I, it's just not worth the energy. So I'll, I'll buy them and flip them for the singles and, and, and even the doubles. But when it comes down to really something that 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 is something I can hold, and that's producing a really good income after everything's you know paid taxes etc., then then I look at it as a good investment, future investment. So I don't get emotional um, too much um, about properties and, and like I used to when I was younger, <laughs> um, because it's yeah, really. It's it's if the person comes if some if you can get rid of something and get the get the cash, hey take it take advantage of the different laws and taxes out there to roll it into something else, and just for me I I just like commercial and that's why I'm trying to get more into um, building commercial um, um, versus and and also the single singles I'll build I'm, I want to get into new construction so pretty much that's where I'm going right now is new construction, whether it's new construction commercial new construction. Um, singles um, to where I can build them and flip them. And that's where I want to go right now. It's not a good time to do it, but I am planning for that going forward. And what type of commercial properties do you have? Uh, what type of, com- uh, yeah. Um, when it comes down to commercial, it's either, you know, you have your six plexes that are, you know, four and six plexes are com- considered commercial, um, but more, more of a strip mall. To where you have different different um, people in that strip mall. Okay, so if a six six sixplex or six six mall, to where you have a coffee shop, and you might have certain things that are good leaders um, that bring traffic to that location. Does that make sense? Yes. Actually, so, I like that strategy. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. So so when you're looking at when you when you're if you're going to find something in commercial. 
I would say, you know, always look at finding something that has a, 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 a coffee shop or somebody in there that's really somebody's, you know, that's going to be a good long-term tenant, but also is going to bring a lot of traffic to that location. That's where you can kind of get your your rent higher. Okay. So okay. Gotcha. Does that make sense? No, that does. And, and I, I never thought about that because I, I plan to eventually transition into commercial real estate, but I never... I never thought about what maybe having that one, at least having that one restaurant or store or retail, you know, that ha- that is a attention grabber. And then it allows more traffic into the other stores so that they could be more successful. Correct. And then also you it allows you the ability to increase your rent, uh, which uh, has gives me a question as far as when it comes to plazas like that or strip malls, uh, what type of leases do they have? Do they have triple net leases? Um, some of them, do, I mean, most of them do. Um, so it's, you know, you, when you have your, your majority of everything is paid in that lease because you, you, you water, no matter what, you only have one water line, right? <laughs> it depends on a building. You can have more, but it's hard to do that. So you have your water line. The electricity is the only thing the majority of people are responsible for because you don't want to put that in yours. So you have that, that lease built out to where it's paying for their insurance and everything else inside one, um, one payment. Gotcha. Now the AC systems, that's another thing, you know, you, you want to, you know, it, it all depends on, on, I'm dealing with that right now with a building um, that, you know, that you have different units. So if you, if you have different units on different locations, they're responsible for that also in some way, shape or form or just the, the repairs or anything that breaks things of that nature. Cause you know, if they're abusing the system and they freeze it because they're not turning the, the AC thing and everything else down, then, you know, you're sitting here having to pay for their inadequate or they're not paying attention. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it, every every building, I, I would say it's different. It depends on how the building is st- structured. And, and that was the first I heard about the water line uh, all being the same. I never even thought about that. You know, they all on the same water. So I can only imagine like a restaurant or it's maybe like a Starbucks or something, the amount of water that they use. Uh, but at the same time, a place like Starbucks or like maybe a Korean barbecue. I don't know if you ever heard that restaurant before. A lot of people uh-huh. go to that restaurant. You know, I'm assuming that they be, they bring enough business where you'll eat up the water because of how much business that they're bringing. Right. Well, uh, on, that, what- on those, sometimes you can, if you... You know, if you were sometimes you can't, it's, it's going to cost you a lot to change it to, to, but if you can try to put high areas like that on their own waterline, it is better. I've done that. I've done that twice now um, because it is worth it to put them on their own waterline. So they pay the bill and they're responsible for majority of that. But sometimes it's not easy to do that. It depends on. Depends on the building, age of the building and everything else and the cost that's going to take to put them on their own water line. I'm assuming permits. Would you need a permit for that as well? Oh, yeah. Everything, everything with commercial, you need permits. <laughs> you can get by with the residential stuff, but it's hard to do with commercial. <laughs> uh, and so with those type of leases, um, what is the minimum amount of time that you try to lock them in? And what's the maximum you try to lock people in with those commercial properties? Is it depending on the business? 
Yes, yeah, really depending on the business and a size of um, the, you know, smaller locations, you can kind of, you know, one to two years. Um, because I don't, I don't like to do long-term leases unless it's really somebody who's, who's, who I really want to make sure that they stay. Does it make sense? Because mm-hmm. some of the other ones that you'll have in um, smaller locations, I don't really like to put into long-term leases unless I, and I, unless I feel really, really comfortable with that, that, that location. I want it to be there for, you know, for a long time, but some, some individuals, you know, I, I just kind of be, I'm just more comfortable with one, two years in max. Uh, were, were your businesses that were uh, in your commercial properties affected during COVID? Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, but it, not not really a huge amount. Um, they did one was doing um, delivering, so okay. they kind of didn't really take too much of a hiccup. Um, and no, I don't, I don't really take a huge hit, but I took a little bit. It was like two, three months, but nobody was really totally shut down. Is that something that new uh, landlords should probably start looking into now is when if they start buying commercial or retail commercial, they should start looking into businesses that could get the least amount of, uh, you know, bad impact when it comes to pandemics or recessions. Maybe I I don't believe in recession proof businesses, but look at businesses that would take the least hit. Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess what you're what I'm seeing here, I'm not sure what's going on up in your area, but, you know, I'm seeing more and more you know, you have these large buildings that have, um, you know, w- one business, right? So you're seeing a lot of those shut down now. And yes. so those are the opportunities where if you really kind of go into some of these and get these and chop it up into different um, different businesses and also maybe even condo units on the top, things of that nature. So now where I'm looking at is, is I'm, I'm very scared of um, getting anything that I, that is like one, like one gentleman, he has this property um, in Mississippi that, you know, it's generating 24,000 a month. He wants to sell it for around 2 million. And I was like, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a huge gamble right there. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, I understand it might be a, you know, five or 10 year lease that you have on that, that company, but at the same time, if that company goes south and something happens for whatever reason, then you're sitting here having a fight with that that organization or that company, right? So I'm I'm very diverse right now in my brain of or th- thinking of thought patterns that if I do get any buildings, I want to make sure that I have six plus units that are generating different income and they're diversified in their industries. So if something happens like this again, um, you know, you're prepared for it, right? Cause like I me, mean, I think COVID it's taught a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of lessons right now. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's still, we're not, we're not really receiving, we're not seeing all the effects from it yet. I think we're going to start seeing the effects over the next, next few months going into next year of a lot of companies who they can't get their workers back or they're, they've been living off of the money that they got, got from the government, things of that nature. Um, some places that I'm seeing here are, are, are not back up and running, you know? So, yeah. Um, not, yeah. I've heard that a lot of people can't get the employees back. 
You know, they can't, they can't get. No, the employees, the, the, a lot of the employees are still getting some type of unemployment and they're making more on unemployment than they are at the job. It's crazy. I've, yeah. I've, I've heard that. Which makes me think about, okay, how can you, how do you stabilize everything back to where it was to get people to want to incentivize people to want to work again? Because uh, these these programs, uh, some of these programs already existed, it's just that people didn't really know about them until the pandemic and they really started reaching and doing their research. Um, but the, the American, America needs people to work and you need, uh, you need people at entry level. You, you need people, blue collar, white collar. Uh, I would say one thing that COVID has taught everybody, uh, or a lot of people, especially family oriented, oriented individuals is to be home as much as possible. So a lot of people also telework and realize that they could probably run their business a, a lot from their computer. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I think this COVID has, I mean, when you look at podcasts, you're, are you familiar with Clubhouse? Yes, yes. So when you look at Clubhouse and you look at, in general, just podcasts in general, that video and everybody's, I mean, that's what put me into the mode of really kind of re- researching more and more of, because of, I've always wanted to kind of build my online business more than local business, but I never had time to really kind of Know, really focus on it so mm-hmm. i took that i took the time during this period of time to really kind of create um some online um presences and 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 my um i have an in, i have a guy in india that i that works with me and i also have some individuals who are in um, um i think it's pakistan pakistan or okay. philippines philippines Philippine. okay so you have a team in philippines as well yeah i hear a lot of people doing that not a big team, but I'm just, I'm reaching out because it's, I mean, these guys, they, they, they want to work and they work and they, they're a little bit cheaper, but they, they, they work and they produce. And right now, while we're going through this little challenge until I can find more of the local talent or, you know, in, in, from America, the challenge is just majority of people are still as lazy. <laughs> What, what, what happened with you during COVID? You have a lot of real estate that... So, yeah. So, um, such a story. Uh, so, about, I would say about 60% of my tenants, they thought either rent was free or they actually were going through a financial hardship. Right. Uh, out of the 60%, I'd say 50% of that 60% were trying to get over. Right. And so, it's a good thing I had property management and certain systems in place to kind of safeguard me. And it's a good thing that I had uh, I would save up my repairs, my vacancy, and my capex, um, right. because around March is when COVID happened, and that's when I got the beginning of uh, a lot of my leases. Because I'm big on starting my leases around uh, March, April timeframe when income tax timeframe comes, and okay. I usually cool. try to stretch my leases out 18 months or uh, 12 month, 12 to 18 months will keep me in the April to September timeframe when most people are moving. Right. So those guys were either 12 or 18 months. So I'm like, okay, great. Income check, you know, credit check, everything checks out. Right. COVID hits, they pay for a few months, everything's going smooth. We our rent moratorium hit, I would say August time frame right. in, in Virginia. And September 1st, phone calls, 
of being made. Hey, what's going on? You know, well, September 5th, actually, because five days after the first. So phone calls are being made. Hey, what's going on? You was paying rent. What happened? Oh, I thought rent was canceled. Oh, you know, I didn't know I had to pay. I actually am going through financial hardship. And so some of them were um, embarrassed, I believe, right, to say, hey, I don't want to. They didn't want to, you know, admit, hey, I, I can't afford it, blah, 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 which I didn't, I guess they thought if they just act like it didn't exist, that it wouldn't be brought up. But <laughs> uh, wow. I have mortgages to pay, too. And then the others were I had to pretty much I had to pretty much hand walk a lot of them through rental assistance programs. And so that's when I got a little personal. Uh, aside from my property manager, I was actually talking to these individuals trying to understand their situation. Uh, some of the conversations were a bit nasty because uh, it was clear that they were trying to get over. Uh, I actually had a, uh, uh, what's it called? I had actually had a tenant assertion put on me for one of the, uh, one of my tenants, uh, which I found very interesting because throughout that process, uh, you know, all the things that, you know, they said that they were wrong. Like one of the things in the tenant assertion, they're talking about uh, bug behind door. Uh, <laughs> a, dust, behind the door? a bug behind the door. They wanted to a be clean. Behind the door. <laughs> yes, a bug behind the door. Uh, black mold on uh, black mold on the tiles, which it was just mildew that they had from not cleaning. They weren't cleaning the the their bathroom anymore. Right. Uh, just miscellaneous things that were. Hey, you just moved in. Why are the cabinets hanging hanging off the hinges now? This place right. was just inspected. Uh, so. Part of the tenant assertion, we had to make sure everything was good to go. So I, I didn't even dispute, hey, you, you, you're the ones that did this. I fixed it all. And they're, the part of the agreement is they have to put money into the escrow account every month. Well, come mm -hmm. to find out, they only were paying, they only put one month in. And then the other four months that we were going back and forth, they didn't put anything in. And the clerk the whole time at the, at the courthouse was saying that they were putting money in. Right. Uh, and so once I was finally able to evict them because it was finally found out that they stopped putting money in the escrow, the one month wow. of escrow that they did pay, it was dispersed back to them. And if I want, I have to go back and, uh, I have to take them back and, uh, put a judgment on them and to do a garnishment. So, Jeez. yeah, so it, it, so that was probably my worst experience when it comes to the rent moratorium and somebody taking yeah. advantage and my best, which was the majority of the people that either I found out were trying to get over but they just needed a good talking to like, Hey, let's sit down. Let's figure this out together. And the ones mm -hmm. actually going through a problem and were communicating with me, I, you know, I did my research on the rental assistance programs in this area and then right. I helped them sign up for that. And then, you know, we didn't miss a beat. So I was okay for the most part during COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. I just had to adapt very quickly because what right. I did not want to do is uh, my cash flow be affected um, I, but I, I feel really bad and I have frustration for a lot of landlords that really got hit uh, really hard because um, I've, I've said this before in a couple of episodes, six to 12 months of uh, savings for your mortgage vacancy is what I would expect. But anything more than that, and you're asking too much. And it's almost got me with it's almost would have me think that it's on purpose because, you know, most businesses, you've seen some of these big businesses had to close down in uh in commercial properties right mm -hmm. i see a kroger's uh farm fresh i see a little sky zone I see big uh franchise companies having to close down so what do you think the little land you know little landlord guy that has maybe six to seven properties uh 
is able to handle, you know, if these big franchises have to close. No, it's, 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 it's scary, brother. I mean, you're, you know, you're, when, when a hurricane Katrina happened with me, um, that taught me my lesson that I had all of my, I had a, whatever, 30 pro- properties, but I had my main property was in an area that um, it didn't, I didn't have anything but little trees and fence, but nothing was wrong with the house. And so I guess for me, that, that Hurricane Katrina taught me a huge lesson um, that th- things can happen. And that's where a lot of businesses are right now that you got to constantly be living to where you, you're saving and you're, 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 you're preparing for three to six months um, reserves to protect you through that process. You, know, it, you don't know what's happening these days. You have weather conditions you got you know the country is going crazy and it's just getting to the point to where you're you're just you're you're living on on a you're living on a fence a little bit and some companies hey they made out really good they made out really good i I deal with a lot of car dealerships and some some part and you know so a lot of them know they kind of came out really good with some some different programs you know so So some companies made out really good so I'm, I'm of the belief that the money doesn't really go anywhere. It's just a shift in power happens, right? So companies like Zoom, uh, its stock price skyrocketed because of COVID, right. mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, um, Peloton, the Peloton bike, the, the right. mirror, the mirror gyms. So there, there are uh, like even Uber. I remember when Uber during the, the, the 08 recession, Around that mm-hmm. time frame, Uber kind of went up. So every every um, recession or pandemic that we may go through, the power and the money just shifts into something else. And I think as businessmen right. and women, we just have to adapt into what is now going to be the next power move. And so mm-hmm. I think for this, you know, for, for what I can see so far, and I'm not a business genius, but what I've been able to notice is, is that things are being held uh, handled more remotely. That is being... Totally. That is being the shift that I'm noticing. Yeah, the, the, yes, everything the shift right now is what we're seeing is it's it's it, it's remote, it's online. You can you can have individuals to where they're working from wherever. You don't need you don't. I, I try to I try to I try to keep overhead as low as possible before getting into um, leases or anything of that nature or any kind of you know anything that I'm not comfortable with. Um, because it's, it's just, you know, you're, you're, you never know. So, you know, I, I see a lot, especially here in the city, you know, you had a lot of bars and restaurants that, you know, their leases were 500, I mean, 5,000 to $10,000 a month just for the lease. And it's, that's just, that's, that's just, um, it, it's scary. So I think a lot of changes. So is real estate your primary primary business right now is it is, yeah you, pri- yeah it's primary primarily what we do for now um you know we have the podcast but it's not really it's not like i'm living i'm not living off of that but the right. uh real estate in general is what we do uh looking forward to where it can completely replace our military income but that would mm-hmm. that would be um it would actually be a lot more properties we would need to get or at least uh, uh properties that are or more effective which is actually i forgot to say earlier so uh, you mentioned it earlier too when you said you were converting to commercial because you like the uh, cash on cash return. 
that's what we just started to do. We just put one of our duplexes up for sale uh, because I see the opportunity to get more more uh, bang for my buck pretty much on doing a different, you know, different properties that I see. And so it was good. That duplex that we had was good for when we had it. Um, it's right. going to been value about $40,000 in the last 18 months. So mm -hmm. take, we'll take our, we'll take our money, great learning experience and put that money into something that provides a better return. Uh, because the, the goal is to completely replace our income uh, in the military with uh, real estate. And so commercial real estate is next. But um, what I'm in the process of learning to do is how, is how to build capital in order to be able to get um, the properties that I want out here. We have a lot of plazas. We have more plazas and, and shopping uh, centers than we do malls. Probably only got like four malls. Hmm. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's common. That's, uh, I, think that's, I think I'm seeing more and more malls are, are being shut down or converted. It's just, it's not, you know, majority of people are, they're not really wanting to be inside the malls anymore. They want their own little standalone shops. And that's where I see, you know, the warehouses, um, you know, the way that you can build these commercial properties. I mean, it really is, is pretty neat when you start really studying it and, and, and looking at the opportunity where you can build cinder, wall, cinder walls, right? Um, and, or you can just do the warehouse ones. And then it's just a front. That is basic, basically the facade. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so the cost of that is it is really not, it's not expensive at all. And I'm just seeing more of that is are popping up in certain areas. Um, and you're having that chopped up look to where you have, you know, six or or seven different locations in that one, that one strip. Mm -hmm. So once you can build that strip and you can get that thing making a good rate of return over a course of you know, a year, two, three years, the value of that goes dramatically higher because now you got that income. So it's, it's, it's buying income is pretty much the, the whole philosophy is that you're building something to where you're getting it, making income, then you can either one, keep it, or you can sell, right? So that makes that sense. Make sense. Yeah, that makes so sense. Just, just, just think about it as, a, as, as any, any, any business that, you know, if you're, if you can build these things, or renovate or whatever you need to do and get the really income in there, then that income is really what people are buying. And that's where you have more investors buying that versus the small little single doubles or whatever. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, I do have a question. So, you know, you get these, you know, you get these businesses inside of your, your shopping center. Right. What can you do as the landlord to increase traffic to those businesses or is that up to the businesses to do that because you know if they oh, win no. you win no you know you're just like just like any other business i mean if i'm gonna if i'm gonna build something my goal or have anybody in there my goal is to try to help them get traffic because if i can make sure that this location is getting traffic and and eyeballs and consistency then you're you're building yourself an, an, a, a, a a goal mine so you can't wait for the other people to do it. And that's, you know, so let's say, okay, business brokering. Are you, are you familiar with business brokering? No, I'm not. Okay. So business brokering is just another part to this. That let's say you have a restaurant. Okay. You build out a little section to where it's a restaurant, right? Majority of the time, some of those restaurant businesses will not succeed. Okay. Now, 
you can do all you can do to help them, but at the same time, it's really up to that business, whether it's their food or their, oh, their, yeah, their yeah. staff or whatever, right? Or just understanding, you know, some people get into a business, but they really don't, they, they're, they're a good chef, right? But they have no clue about really business, right? Yeah. So true. it's consulting with them a little bit to where, you know, because I've did, I, I've Spartan sold um, as a business broker and a business and a person different businesses before, whether it's bars, restaurants, um, um, there was a bar, restaurant, shoe business, and then the health club was all like something. So, so when you're, when, let's say you build and, and you have a build out where you have the kitchen and everything else in there, right? So this person fails, right? And they, they move out. So they, they can't take the things that are attached to the building. Does that make sense? Yes. Like the, 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 the um the kitchen majority of the kitchen stuff that's in there that's that's furnaces and everything else that kind of stays with the building yeah right so you can turn around and you can sell that business to someone who wants to get into the restaurant business right gotcha so i can sell that for you know for twenty thousand dollars you can come in and everything's already here for you you can change colors change whatever right so when you start thinking about certain things like this it's, it's just like a bar. So somebody wants to buy a bar and you, it, I don't know if, do y'all have video poker up there? No, video poker? Video, so we have, we have video poker machines. So when you buy a restaurant or a bar, you're allowed three machines in each location. So just those, just those machines can make, enough to cover your rent and everything else right oh nice so, so it's it's pretty it's pretty neat um you know some of the opportunities so you know so some people will buy a bar because of the poker machines it's not so much the liquor sales the liquor sales is kind of like lanyard whereas the poker machines are really producing more money right so i, I remember some bars having you no know, pool tables a bar so you have different income coming from the liquor sales a little bit of maybe that you might have a little small food in there, like pizza, stuff like that. You might have the video poker and then you have pool tables that collect money. Right. And then you have different people come in there for um, pool, pool leagues and things of that nature. And that's where you can kind of create these leagues. So it, and when you're when you have these different type of centers, you have to always look at it as if somebody does not succeed, whether it's a coffee shop, restaurant or whatever, that is kind of like part of your building. So that kind of becomes another revenue stream if that person doesn't succeed or if they move out or they find another place to go to, whatever. You're kind of have the opportunity where you can kind of resell that location to someone else who wants to come in and start startup shop. Did I, did, does that make sense? No, that, just, you, you explained that you explain that perfectly. Uh, and you actually have my brain churning because I, I was only thinking about that person or that, that business just focusing on what their particular niche is, which is if I'm a restaurant, I just focus on my food. If, I, if I'm a bar, I just focus on, you know, selling these drinks and maybe I got a, a few burgers and fries and, and a pizza. But you, you're also mentioning about different ways that's, that business can uh, provide, uh, get income that could, yeah, pr provide uh, the, enough money for their rent. So that if they have a bad month in, in, you know, in food and, you know, and some customers coming through buying drinks, they, they're covered because of the other streams of income in that restaurant. Or, or, you always got to look at, you always got to look at, like I had, a, I had a small coffee shop at one time and I'm probably going to have one again. 
but the, the income that came in there was for one, renting it out for certain little parties. We had the, the, the coffees and we had paninis, you know, pressed, pressed sandwiches. And then we had alcohol and then you have video poker. So all of these are different areas that you look at um, as your income producers, you know. So then you had chicken salad, right? So we would make a bunch of chicken salad and we put it in little containers, right? Those little containers were selling for five or six dollars a container. So out of one batch of chicken salad, we were able to make 20, 25 containers, right? Nice. When you look at coffee, do you buy a lot? When you do you buy coffee? No, not not all. I'm drinking. I'm a tea guy. Okay. All right. So you heard a lattes, right? Yes. Okay. So you know what a lot, you know what's in a latte? Milk and coffee. So it's this much espresso. The rest of it's milk. And people are paying four to five dollars a cup for it. And really, I'm more so worried about my coffee inventory than I am my milk inventory. Correct. Your 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 co- the coffee, the amount of money is in that is an incredible high, high um, rate of return. And when you start looking at just a little, when you, you start noticing things, when you start going into places, like you go into a convenience store, you start looking at all the things, right? And how much they're making off of water, right? You're buying, you're paying what, $3 for a bottle of water, right? Mm-hmm. But you can go to, the, you can go to the store and buy a case of 24 for three or $4. Yes. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I just did that with my son this weekend. I, uh, we bought a pack of 32 pack for six bucks. So we mm-hmm. bought three packs of that for $18 and, uh, he made about uh, 68 bucks. Right. So it, it is interesting how that works. It is. It, it's, it's crazy. When you go to you, you have a Sam's up there. You have Sam's, I believe. Sam's club, uh, BJ's, uh, Costco's. So when you notice like those small convenience stores or small shops like that, they buy, they buy in bulk and they resell those things. Muffins, let's say you buy a pack of muffins, right? The muff, muffins come in maybe 24 in a case. Well, they're selling those muffins for anywhere between three to four dollars a muffin. Yep. So it's uh, those little things, I guess, I always look at because I got when I got into the business, I never knew anything about a restaurant business, but there was something after the Katrina, I wanted to kind of get in to with with my um my wife at the time and something different and it just opened my eyes up to a whole nother world of of really understanding when you walk into a place all their money makers and so my my brain i guess works in all the different profit centers that you can make off of whatever different businesses and when you're when you're when you're buying it's easier sometimes to buy commercial property than it is the residential properties because of the income that it's producing. I've been, I've been told that before too, as, as well, that it is easier. It's just maybe just the mindset of how much it costs, you know, Oh man, $2 million, you know, where am I get the money for that? It's not possible. Let me just go buy this single family home for 120 K. Sometimes if you have the right banker or the right lender, they, they understand the numbers. And so you're getting, the deposits and everything else at the closing. So majority of that, that, that deposit is covering majority of your down payment. Gotcha. And so, so uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it, it's all about the bankers. It's all about your lender that if you have a good savvy 
lender and a realtor if you're working with one or just understanding the, the numbers. And sometimes you can get, you know, sometimes you get some owner financing with, with businesses like that, um, you know, also. I do, think, I do think that the loan officers are uh, unsung heroes when it comes to uh, trying to find financing, yeah. you know, locking in particular rates or finding different ways to, to uh, cre different creative financing ways. Creative financing is the key to everything. And it's, you, you gotta, it's kind of like a sickness that, that I'm constantly, constantly, constantly talking to certain people and financing, looking, reaching, because it's, it's, you're going to come across certain ones who really don't have a total understanding. You can have some that, you know, they know their numbers and they know how to make deals work. I had, I had, had a deal um, for um, back when I was starting out with real estate, uh, I think I had maybe 15 properties or some sort. And the banker that I was using told me that I couldn't buy anymore. And I'm, I'm like, why? So, well, something with the banking regulations or whatever stuff that he came up with. And I'm like, this doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. So Donald Trump has, you know, all these different people have multi properties. Right. So, yes. so I went to a friend of mine who was a broker and he, and he told me, said, Renee, too. Don't worry about that with their, their regulations or with their bank. So I had four properties that I was getting for really good deals. So I put two properties with one lender, one property with another lender, another property with another lender. So I bought all four properties in the same month, but nobody knew it until two months later when they hit the credit bureaus. But I made about 150000 just by buying those properties um, at the time because I got them for such good deals and I was getting money. I was pretty much structured it to where I was getting money at the table. So I bought the property, made money at the table, and then my banker called me two months later and told me, what, 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 dude, what's, what's going on? What, where did these properties come from? Said, dude, don't ever tell me I can't do something because you might not be able to do it. But there are ways to do anything. It's just sometimes you have to reach out and you have to talk and communicate and figure out you know, who can help you find that 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 um, that option. I love that. I'm glad you said that uh, because I think sometimes we get stuck at that first no because we assume that well a couple of things that uh, that that person that we've trusted with for their advice is going to give us something that we we can't do maybe because legally and we're just not educated enough. Uh, but may, but maybe it is because they think in their head it's not possible. And so then they, they stop even trying to look. Nah, and so, I, uh, go ahead. No, 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 that's, that's the key, brother. You, you, as entrepreneurs, um, I'm constantly thinking and I'm constantly reaching and I'm constantly networking, building relationships um, with, with all different types of people. And I, I'm learning. I'm always learning. And, that, and, and that's pretty much what I think with your podcast. It seems like you've been very successful on just getting certain people on your podcast. And every time you get certain people on there, you're learning, you're growing. And that's where your podcast you know, keeps on building because of that resource um, yeah. that we're, we're, we're doing. That's what we're doing is building. It's been an awesome process, man. And one thing that I like to always ask is what is your big why? What's your, what is your rich state of mind? Because you, you're you a very calculated individual and you've been doing this for over 30 years. So you have a love for it. So I have a love for it. I have a passion. Um, 
you know, I've, I've had my failures. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I did a bankruptcy 10 years ago. Um, okay. I just, I had too much, um, the 2008 when the mortgage crunch came. Um, so I, I, that was my, that was my, that was my eye opener, I guess you're going to say that, you know what, you can, you can lose everything and life changes. So you had hurricane Katrina that came, right? So that was my first, wow. Okay. I had all my eggs in one basket, right? Then I recovered from it. And then the 2008 came to where my property values shrunk overnight, right? And that's where I got into that crunch because I didn't have enough diverse income. Does that make sense? Yes. So I had my failure. And 10 years has taken me now to where I've learned and I've never stopped moving fast into creating different systems and figuring out how the wealthy are wealthy and, and being in that position to where I'm constantly moving and getting better. And that's where you see majority of six successful individuals that they, they don't stop. They don't stop learning. They don't stop communicating. They don't stop, you know, getting better. And, and, and that's where my why, I guess, is that I have a goal that I want to be able to take care of a lot of people that are with me, whether it's family, friends, and employees. And a lot of my employees, they don't have a shot um, to, to, to obtain um, certain areas. And a lot of people, a lot of employees, their employers are not really looking out for them, I guess you can say. Yeah. So for me, it's really a passion that if I can build a good company or overall in general, my, my corporate company and the different companies that are with me, that if I can build people, build leaders and help those individuals really kind of be proud of who they're working with and working for, that over time, my, my legacy is what is important to me and the opportunity of changing lives. And, you know, my company now, what's your passion? You know, it's really about helping people with their passions. Everybody has a dream. They have a passion. They want to do something, but they don't have anyone who believes in them enough to help them achieve it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just working very hard on, on, on trying to, you know, put together some different things for people who are in my social um, surroundings, but also the opportunity to opportunity to meet people like yourself in other States and other countries and growing out across abroad. To where traveling, seeing the world, and having friends all over is really kind of a, um, a passion I've had for years. I've, I've had, I have friends in different areas, and sometimes it's just kind of you know that big why is you can change you can change the world one person at a time, and you can mm -hmm. affect people around. So it's not just about the money, you know. Of course, you know. Of course, I like nice houses. Of course, I like boats, yeah. I like cars, and everything else. You know, what I'm saying that's all. That's all of our American dream to where just. You know, I've, I've had them. I, I, I love it. And, but at the same time, I'm not, that's not my materialistic part is not really there. It's more no, of really. I, I understand building. that. So, and, and uh, freedom. Yeah. freedom to where you're not, you're not going to be, you, you don't have nothing government or anything else can hurt you. So I can't control the world of the government. I can't control the politics and everything else. I can only control my world and my system and my business. And where can people find you, Renee? 
Um, they can they can give me anywhere on social media. I'm all different channels: uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Renee Manfrey. Um, they can reach me at my 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 phone number is you know 504-344-3317. My digital business card is Renee.thebitbumpcard.me. It's a actually it's a new company that we 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 uh, partnered up with and. We're sharing, sharing with people how to use a digital business card for their own central. So they can reach me on that and they can see all my different businesses and companies on that. And that's Renee, R-E-N-E dot the bump card dot me. They can go to my website, WIP USA or WIP agency and learn about the different two companies. One's coaching and training, self-development. And then agency is more about podcasting, video and marketing um, strategies. Awesome. And we'll make sure that we add those uh, websites and handles down in the description so people can contact you because uh, people need this, uh, this type of coaching, this type of mentorship, this type of just influence, you know, sometimes just, you may not even be directly helping that person. You're just, they just hear you from right. just talking, maybe talking to somebody else and it becomes infectious. And uh, so I really promote uh, people like yourself because uh, I think more and more people just have untapped potential that if they just were around the, the right people and had the right conversations, they would be able to blossom uh, into what they want to be, the best version of themselves, actually. No, Anthony, I'm going to say, you, you, it seems like you and your wife, y'all, y'all are, y'all are in the military, y'all are doing everything. And if you're, what you're, what, based off what I'm seeing, I mean, you're in your early thirties right now. And if you keep on doing what you're doing, brother, I mean, you have an opportunity within the next five or 10 years you're going to blossom. So, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to kind of have an opportunity. I thank you for this chance to kind of just get to know you. So I'm looking forward to where we can stay in touch and keep on building, maybe doing different, different things together. I find myself gravitating towards people that are way older than me. Uh, one, one of the people I was interviewing said I had an old soul. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm down, you know, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind it at all. <laughs> no, nah, brother. It's, it's, sometimes that's that's where you know the, the, the young generations. It's hard. It's hard. Most most of the young generation, it's not. They're not focused like your your you and your wife focused. They're they're still trying to figure out things, and it's a shame. But um, but you're you're in the right track. You're in the right path, and whatever I can do to kind of be part of your 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 growth. Awesome, man. It's been it's been a real pleasure, and I, I appreciate your time, Renee. All right, buddy. I appreciate it, and you have a great night. Thank you. You do.